Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Uh, We're in a series entitled Homesick. Um, more on that in a minute. Next week, the series is changing to a series called At the Table. It's based out of the book of Psalms. And in Psalms uh, 23, which is one of my favorite psalms, and I think universally one of all of our favorite psalms, uh, the psalmist said that the Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning that you can be even at the table with an enemy, but have perfect provision in that moment. Uh, And so we're going to talk about different enemies that come to all of our tables, financial lack, sickness and disease, our past, worry, anxiety, like all of those types of things that are at our table. But how many of you know, no matter what enemy shows up in your life, the Lord has provision for you right there in the presence of of that enemy. So that's what that series is going to be about, and we'll have special worship and all those kinds of things going on during then as well. This series has been a joy for me, honestly. Uh, The Lord told me to call this series Homesick um, and to address um, homes and families, and that so many were ill and sick, (laughs) and out of that, uh, to address that with God's Word and to bring life and healing. And, and honestly, it's brought me so much joy in hearing so many of you talk about um, reconnecting with people and being healers in your families. And this is kind of the gist of the series is getting you well enough to be that healer in your family, to get you in a position where God has so healed you that you are now able to bring healing to those around you because God loves family. I, I said this at the start of the series, family was God's idea. And he loves it. He loves it. Um, We are the father and his family. Um, He loves it, and that's why Satan attacks it so hard. And as a pastor, I don't know of anybody's family who is not under attack. Uh, It is not something you may look at your family and think like, wow, that's unique. It's not. Um, Every family has different things that are happening in it, different dynamics, because anything that's closed creates friction. Uh, so if you, you have two things that are close and they move in opposite directions, it creates friction. And with family, we're close. And when we move in different directions, it creates that friction where we can feel it. Uh, but what we want is no division where we're all headed in the same direction. And this is what we're contending for. Uh, today, I want to talk about you and decisions that you can make for your life, your current family, and your future family. Um, and our golden text today is found out of the book of Deuteronomy. So uh, you can open up your Bibles with me if you want to. If not, it'll be on the screen to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're going to look at verse number 19 today. Now, honestly, the whole chapter of Deuteronomy 30 is worthy. Um, and 15 to 20 just kind of all emphasize this point. Uh, But notice what God is saying here in verse number 19. He says, I call heaven and earth, I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that I have set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing, so choose life in order that you may live, now notice this, you and your descendants. 
Uh, Let's read it again. For fun, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. They have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, so choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Um, Now, many things stand out to me about that passage of Scripture. The first is the word today. In our culture, we emphasize tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow, I'll start the diet. Tomorrow, I'll go to the gym. Tomorrow, I'll be disciplined. Uh, And by tomorrow, we mean New Year's because Thanksgiving and Christmas is going to ruin, you know, every exercise routine and diet plan. So next year, uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, You know, we emphasize tomorrow. God emphasizes today. Take no thought for tomorrow is literally the instruction of Jesus. <laughs> um, literally, it's like live for today. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Uh, today, I have set before you life and death. Now, faith is. God emphasizes action today, and I want to emphasize action today. And this is what the, the term decision makes. Decision is our means. Uh, decision means to make an incision. It means a cutting away from. And today, I want some real firm decisions of like, I am purposefully cutting my life away from this. Why? Whatever this may be. Why? For me. But not just for me, for my current family and for my future family. The second thing that I see in this is God is saying, I have set before you today two paths, one that leads towards life and one that leads towards death. He said another way to say it is one that leads towards prosperity and another one that leads towards adversity. Uh, Prosperity means to see progress along the way. Adversity is the thing that comes up to stop progress. And he says, today, you have the power to choose. And somebody's like, well, no, I don't, Pastor Joel, and this type of thing. Like, so much of life is against me. What God is saying here in this moment is no matter what happens that comes against you, the way you respond to what happens to you this is key, is more important than what happened. The way you choose to respond to what happened to you is more important than what happened to you. Uh, I grew up in a household uh, that my father was always filled with one liners. <laughs> you know, it was always like kind of throwing out little tidbits of wisdom and advice. And he's a preacher, so he came by it honest. Uh, but like there'd be, you know, phrases like, if it's not quiet, it's not right. Like, you know, that kind of thing. I, I'm like, well, she's trying. If it's not quiet, it's not right. It's like, you know, anyway. Uh, so out of that, um, my, my father would throw these things out. And one of the things he would constantly say to me is this the greatest ability is responsibility. The greatest ability is responsibility. Now, I love, uh, you heard our, our pastors mention earlier, like our worship teams. Oh gosh, like, right? Have you ever looked at somebody and, and you know, watched them sing and it's like, I wish I could do that. Like every time I come into one of our campuses, like I'll, I'll listen to them and I'm like, how? It just, it's, it's so wonderful. Like if I could sing like that, I would never do anything but sing. I'd sing my order. I'd sing instructions to my children. Like surely that would work better. Like all these types of things, but just amazing abilities or with athletics. Like I'll watch some of these athletes and have that type of athletic ability. 
And so I would marvel at some of those things even as a young man, and my dad would say, now remember, Joel, the greatest ability is responsibility. Uh, and I would kind of like laugh and, you know, mock it silently uh, and, and that kind of thing. But now that I'm older, I see how true it actually is, that the greatest ability is responsibility. Now, here's what responsibility is. It's you saying, I have the ability to always control my response. That I do not give away my ability to respond to anybody or anything. Uh, What that's simply saying is, is I can't control the hand that's dealt me. I can control how I play it. You can't control what happened in your past. You couldn't control who your parents were. You couldn't control if your father left you or not, or if your mom was an addict. You couldn't control it. You couldn't control if your father drank too much. It's out of your control. Um, I couldn't control my father passing away when I was 17. It's out of my control. My mom couldn't control the only man she had ever kissed passing away. Uh, and, And having this disaster come into her life, it was out of her control. Um, You can't control everything going on in the economy. You can't control everything going on on the job. You can't control how much they pay you. Um, You can't control some of these things that are outside of your control. But one thing you always can control, and this is where my father would take it, is you can control your response to those things. And if you respond wisely and choose life in the context of those things, you will see your life move towards prosperity. You will see your life move towards success. You will see your life move towards the light. You will see God work with you. Uh, Because this is a, a revelation. God doesn't work for you. God works with you. We are co laborers with God. We plant. We water, God gives the increase. Uh, We go, and the Lord goes with us as we go. And so what this is saying is, is I will more oftentimes than not choose life. Um, my, My son came to me the other day, and he asked me, who's your favorite Bible character right now? And like for a moment, I'm like, wow, my son is very spiritual. He's 14. I'm like, wow. And I'm like, why do you ask? Like I'm expecting something deep. And he's like, I've got to do a paper on it for class. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you mine. You pick yours. Like I'm not writing this for you. Uh, And like that kind of thing. And so we started talking and I'm like, well, who would you pick? And he said, well, I'd pick Saul or David. And I'm like, well, those are two interesting choices. I'm like, why Saul? He's like, well, I, I see so much insecurity in the lives of myself and my peers where you're constantly responding out of insecurity. And if we can learn from Saul's insecurity, then maybe we won't hide behind our baggage. Uh, And like that type of thing. I'm like, wow, that got deep. Yeah, right on that. Like, that'd be great. He's like, or David. I'm like, well, David's an obvious choice. Uh, You've got somebody who is flawed, but a lover of God. And how many of you know, you can be flawed and a lover of God and God can take you incredibly far. Like, we get hung up on our flaws. David didn't. David was great. I mean great at forgiving himself. He was. The key to David is learning how to forgive others and forgive yourself. It's two-sided. And Jesus comes holding the key of David. If you can forgive you and you can forgive others, you'll go far in life. Um, And so David held that key. Like, he was able to forgive anybody who hurt him, and David was incredibly good at forgiving himself and moving past his uh, failures and, 
any of, you know, lots on David. But here was my point. I told him, actually, if I had to pick somebody right now, I would pick David's great-great-grandmother. And he's like, what? I'm like, Ruth. Uh, Ruth is somebody who is incredibly impressive to me. And let me explain to you why. Ruth was a Moabitess. She lived in the land of Moab. She came across a young man who is the son of an Israelite. There was this family that was suffering famine in their land, and there was an economic opportunity in the land of Moab. Uh, So this family left their homeland, went to Moab to take a job. And maybe some of you are there right now. Like you went and came here because there was economic opportunity or a job that hired you out. And this is the whole reason why they're in Moab. Well, they work this job. And while this family is going, these two young sons of this woman by the name of Naomi get married. One of them marries a Moabitess named Ruth. And this family is, is there. It seems like it's trending in the right direction. And the family is very healthy, they're employed, uh, they're married, they're enjoying each other, life is great until it wasn't. And things out of their control happen to them. And Naomi has her husband pass away. Now he's the one who had the job and he's the one that the, the reason why they're in Moab and he dies. Well, that, that's awful. I mean, it's literally awful. I saw that with my mom. Like I saw what she went through when that happened. It's, it's awful. But to make matters worse, both of her sons die, including Ruth's husband. And I saw that with my grandmother. I saw my grandmother outlive her husband and her two sons. And you talk about pain. And so out of that, uh, we see this pain come into the, the lives of these two women, Ruth and Naomi. And Naomi... And I, I struggle teaching on this because, you know, honestly, I, I, I walk with people and it's so easy in theory to say, but it's, it's, it's harder to live sometimes. And for Naomi, we see this dark, darkness come into her life of tragedy. She can't control her husband's passing. She can't control her son's passing. And this darkness enters into her life But she does something unwise. And like I said, this is so hard to say because it's easy to say in theory, like, be wiser. But like when when you're not going through that trauma, you don't understand sometimes, especially how deceitful the enemy is in thinking and making you think you don't have a choice. And Naomi has this darkness in her in her life, but she does something unwise. She begins to fellowship with the darkness. Now, if you fellowship with darkness, I'm telling you, it'll grow. And the way, the way you feel it grow is you enter in what I call, well, you enter in the darkness. You enter in shadows. And you're in this shadow where no matter, you know light's there. Because light is life. When Jesus is being described, it's like he is light. He is life. Why? Because light is life. Um, and so when you see, like if you take plants and there is no light, there is no life. And so when you're in a shadow, there's light, it's just something blocking it. You know it's there, but you're not in it. You're not walking in it. And there is darkness that is in this world. Depression is a spirit of heaviness. It's it's heavy. And you know there's light. And people are like telling you all the time, like there's so much you could enjoy right now. And you even know it's there. Uh, But it's like to see it and to enjoy it and to feel it. It's just not right now in life. 
And Naomi is here, she's fellowshipping with the shadows. And there are shadows in music, there's shadows in entertainment. Um, shadows is anything that numbs you. And the more you partake of it, the more it numbs you, but you're not getting better. And you're not, this is key, coming alive. And Naomi is feeding on this darkness and it's beginning to change her. And maybe some of you have seen that happen in the people you love. Or maybe some of you have seen that happen to the person you see in the mirror every day. Is you're not the same you and it's not for the better. Let me help you. It's okay. But you need to listen. Naomi is changing. Everybody can see it. And not only can everybody else see it, she can see it. When she looks in the mirror, she says, I am not the woman I used to be. Naomi means my joy. She looks in the mirror, she's like, I'm not that anymore. She goes into her own hometown and, and you know, there's no point being in Moab anymore. You know, everything's died here. I'll go back to where my relatives are and at least have some type of measure of family. And she goes back into her family and they're like, Naomi, she's like, don't call me that. Why? She's changed. The darkness has changed. It wasn't the event that changed her. It was her giving access of the event to her responsibility. And that's hard, but it's the truth. And so she begins to fellowship with this darkness that this darkness begins to change her. And she, she tells him, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. For God, Mara means bitter. For God has dealt with me incredibly bitterly. Why'd he let this happen to me? And she's living in these shadows and she's numbing herself and life is not getting better. It's in this state where she is losing herself to the darkness. And she sees it and she knows it. On the flip side of the story, there's this woman by the name of Ruth. And Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law. Her husband has passed away too. Now, I'm not ever one to compare pain. Like, I think that's incredibly unwise. And people do this all the time where it's like, why are you struggling with that? Like, you should, you should hear about what I struggled with. And we compare each other's pain. You don't know how it hits, though. Sometimes it just hits differently. And so with Ruth, like she faced um, um, the death of a husband, just like Naomi. And while she didn't deal with the death of a child, in one way she did. And, and somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? Because when my father died when I was 17, my future died with him. The future as it was constructed in my mind at that time is what I mean by that. And, and let me clarify, at 17, Every vision of the future I had, had my father in it. So at that moment, it's like, well, where will you be? And it's like, well, I will be here, and this will happen. Like in my mind, you're forecasting where it will be. And the same thing happens when you get married. When me and my wife got married, you start thinking about, well, we'll have kids here, and uh, you know, we'll live here, and all these types of things. So you have a future with your wife in it. And I had a future with my, my father in it, and when he died suddenly... It wasn't just like he died, so did my future as it was currently constructed. And, and like it's not just rebuilding a life, it's, it's rebuilding a future. And so for Ruth, she has all of this destruction come, like, and, and it's, it's not good and darkness enters. But the difference between Ruth and Naomi, and this is so courageous, it's so hard. And no one would fault you if you didn't. 
And I, I need you to understand that. Like some of you have walked through so much pain, no one would fault you for acting the way you're acting. And no one would fault you for grieving the way you're grieving. And no one would fault you for fellowshipping with the darkness. Or no one would fault you for saying like, I'm Mara, I'm not Naomi anymore. No one would fault you. But Ruth, she makes a courageous decision to instead of fellowshipping with the darkness, she chose to fellowship with the light. And you see her, like, even though she's had tragedy, she's not living underneath the shadow of that tragedy any longer. And she makes the decision to choose life for herself, to choose a vision for herself, to choose a future for herself. And she begins to praise, and she begins to worship, and she begins to serve, and she begins to pour life out on somebody, and she begins to pour life out on something, and she begins to step out of the excuses as to you don't have to, and no one understands if you, everyone understands if you need more time. She began to control the only thing she could. She couldn't go back in time. She couldn't go back and pick up all those pieces. Remember, this series was born out of that phrase, homesick for a place that doesn't exist anymore. This is what Naomi was. She was homesick for a place that she could never get back. She'll never get that life back. She'll never get her husband back. She'll never get her children back. And so she's homesick for something that does not exist in this life. And Ruth could have done the same thing, but instead she decided to have a vision for what life could be. To instead of meditating on the darkness and the shadows, to begin progressively moving her life to the light. And was it easy? It could not have been easy. But was it worth it? And Ruth's life, what happens when I make a decision? Like, I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond to it. I can choose life. Today, I can choose life. What happens? The Bible says you will come alive. And you know what happened to Ruth? She came alive. All of a sudden, God sends a kinsman redeemer by the name of Boaz. And, and Boaz is watching her, and the favor of God comes on Ruth, and he starts leaving handfuls behind. And she starts bringing these back to Naomi and bringing these back home. And they're like, where did you get this? And like, Boaz uh, is, is taking care of this. And God's favor comes, and she, she ultimately marries Boaz and has this wonderful romance and this beautiful marriage and out of that she has a child she's walking in prosperity she's seeing light it's wonderful and and why did this happen because God is good yes but the same God who was good to to Ruth was the same God who wanted to be good to Naomi Ruth just began to make decisions where she chose life was it easy couldn't have been Was it handed to her? Absolutely not. But today she understood, before me are two paths. And I can go the way of the darkness and the shadows, or I can go the way of light and get life. And she chose right. She took a stand. She made a decision. But what I love about Ruth's story is not only when she made this decision did she walk in life for herself, But the Bible says she brought Naomi back to life. And this is my prayer for you, is that you stop using all of these excuses. And it's hard, but you stop using all the excuses as to why you can't and how it's not fair and how it's not right. I know it's not. 
I know it's not fair, and I know it's not right, but as long as you fellowship with that, you will never see God do what he could do in your life. But if you will stand up and courageously act like you have a God who loves you, and it's all-powerful and almighty, you'll see that there is a God with whom nothing is impossible. And that you can be healed enough that not only are you healed, but you're a healer in your family. And she saw Mara become Naomi again. And literally, you see the power of God come so strongly on Naomi that she comes to life. She's walking in the light. And she's healed. And she comes out of that depression. And she's pouring her life into her grandson, seeing that there is still so much to live for. I feel that in my heart for somebody. There's still so much to live for. And it might not be what was in your past, but there is still so much in your present to live for, so much you could give your life to, so much you could pour your prayer into. You got to bring God another vessel. You got to bring him something else to pour into. And God came to, to Sam. He's like, how long are you going to mourn over something you'll never get back? Saul's not coming back. How long are you going to cry over what you can't get back? Anoint your horn with oil and go pour it out on David because there is something new and it's greater than what you had in your past. If you will just get up from this place, Samuel. And speaking of David, there would be no David without Ruth. Because when Ruth made this decision to choose life and light out of this, the child that she gave birth to was great, David's grandfather. And out of that lineage came a lineage of Jesus. And for some of you, the reason why you need to choose life is you are tired of living in the shadows. And if you will choose life today and choose it again tomorrow, and choose it again the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And if you miss it and choose the darkness, you repent, you get back up, you forgive yourself, and you choose it again the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And if you choose it often enough, and you keep choosing life enough, you will see a path that leads towards life, and a path that leads towards blessing. I tell this story often, but within my weekend, it's just important to say it. I see my children worship the Lord now. It's the greatest privilege of my life to see my children love Jesus. More than any of this, more than any possession, to see my children love the Lord. And our family was so far from that. My dad was a drug addict, but his mama didn't give up on him. And she had every reason in the world. Like I talk to my grandmother now, you talk about a hard life. My grandmother, and some of you can feel this way about your mom and your grandma, the toughest woman I know. You talk about a tough woman. And out of this, like her sons were far from God. Her marriage was not where she wanted it to be. Her youngest son, my father was a drug addict, but she fought for her family. And she made up her mind she was not going to allow it to fall apart. That if she had to be a rock, she knew she could be one because she was standing on one, the rock of Jesus Christ. And let the storms come and let the wind blow. I'm not backing off of my foundation. And out of that, she came and she'd find my dad's car and put a Bible on it to remind him who he was in Jesus. 
And one night he ran out of money and she said, if you're here, you're going to church with me. He's like, okay, I'll go Sunday. She's like, no, there's a meeting tonight. It's Friday night. There's a church meeting. He's like, mom, it's Friday. She's like, we're going to church. She took him to church. It was a James Robinson crusade and he didn't know it then, but he was not just standing for himself. When he stood at that altar, he overcame drug addiction. He overcame the wounds of his past. He cured iniquities in his family. That when he made that stand that day for Jesus, it was more than just a cute little decision on a Friday night service. He literally was changing generations. And now his son pastors a church and his daughter pastors pastors a church and all of his grandchildren love Jesus. You know why? Someone took a stand for Jesus. Someone said, in the middle of this, I'll choose Jesus. I'll choose life. A woman stood up and said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, for all of us in here, there's a depth of the spirit that we need to go back to. That there was a moment in Isaac's life where he he was leaving the inheritance of his father and he said, enough with this, I'll go to Egypt. And God spoke to him and said, you cannot go to Egypt. What you need to do is you need to go back and you need to redig the wells of your father. You need to redig those places where the spirit once flowed. You need to come back because Isaac, it's not just about you and walking in blessings right now. You need to go back to the thing that blessed your father because the thing that blessed your father, it is the thing that will bless you. The water that flowed for your father is the water that will flow for you. But Isaac, it's not just about you. It's about all the generations that'll come after you and you continuing a legacy of faith. Egypt is a type and shadow of the world and God said, do not go to it. Take a stand, Isaac, for your family. Believe that the same water that flowed for your father is the same water that will flow for you. And I have a conviction in my heart that so many of you just need to take a stand. Take a stand and say, I'm not going the way of the world. I'm not going the way of darkness. I'm not fellowshipping with it with any longer. I'm standing not just for me, but for the generations that will come after me. In the name of Jesus, choose life. Why? That you choose life. Why? That you may live. Choose life. Why? That you may live and that your descendants may live today. You've got two options. You can help yourself and help your family, or you can hurt yourself and you can hurt your family. But one thing it is, it is in your control. So today, choose wisely. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for every single person at all of our campuses. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you will come so strongly on our hearts and on our lives. Father, I I know that like in the book of Acts, they prayed so strongly that a building shook. Father, what we want to do is we want to pray so loudly and we want to consecrate so boldly that our families shake. That, Father, off of our lives fall the weights and the sins that are keeping us from running our race. 
and that, Father, through our consecration and through our decisions, not only do those things fall off of us, but those things fall off the generations that come after us. Father, we thank you for a blessing on us and a blessing on our family. We thank you for your spirit on us and your spirit on our families. Father, we thank you whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and we proclaim freedom over ourselves and freedom over our families. And I just hear this so strong in my heart, it is not too late. That is a lie from the enemy. It is not too late. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for your family. It has not gone so far that God can't turn it around. It is not too late. And God will show you it's not too late if you will consecrate yourself today. Thank you, Father. You're at work in us, both to will and to do your good pleasure. And we love you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.